Welcome to Ask the Preacher with Pastor Wayne Freed. I was out of jail on bond, facing over 100 years in prison, reaching for a gun to blow my brains out when God stopped me with a vision. I know what it is to be down and out. I know what it is to be up, and up is better. I told the Lord I was going to find out if the Bible was really true, and let me tell you, friend, that it is. The Bible is really true. Ask the Preacher, designed so that you can have your questions answered according to what the Bible says. Well, hello. This is Wayne Freed. Um, I was, I did ask the preacher for 16 and a half years with Dan and Veronica Bean, and about five and a half, about five years ago, give or take, um, turned the, the ministry, the church, and radio and all over to my son, Jonathan Freed, uh, who now pastors Believers Fellowship Word of Faith Church. And so I am standing in today to do Ask the Preacher. Um, I just have uh, so much to say, but I don't know what part. So I want to open up the phone lines and say, if you have a question, a genuine question, this is not stump the preacher. That turns me off so bad. That's such a carnal argument, argumentative type thing. I don't like that. Uh, So that's not the kind of question I'm talking about. I'm talking about you have a real question. Something I had a friend of mine that was greatly concerned because uh, his wife has cancer. Doctors had said it's nothing more they can do, just live out the last part of your life. And, and uh, he's had a lot of loved ones that died, brothers and, 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 and people like that that are real close to him, and they died in car accidents in different ways. And, and, and why, why, you know? Well, first off, the world doesn't revolve around him. And um, secondly, every one of these people who, who died and had such terrible uh, situations, they, they are, they're just on their own, so to speak. He has, he has nothing to do with that. Well, I prayed for him. You know, God, uh, Jesus died so that your free will would be given back to you. You, you were going to hell and there wasn't anything you could do about it, but now you have a choice. And it's very, very, very important to God that people have a choice because that's what heaven and hell is all about. Uh, I believe that God wants, uh, I believe that Satan once had a kingdom on the earth. And uh, you can read about it in Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28. But uh, he was cast down. He was cast out of of that kingdom. He's not in control of it now. Um, He's down here on the earth uh, trying to destroy mankind and those that yield to him are part of his kingdom. But those who have been born again and walk in the light of God's word, this, Satan can't do that to them. So all these people that my friend was saying, why, why, I prayed for them and all. You can pray for people, but you can't dominate their will. You know, just like um, his, his wife being sick and so forth. You, you, you know, you can pray for another person but unless they open up and submit and, and get in agreement with your prayer, that prayer will just bounce off them like water off a duck's back because God's not going to make people get healed. He's not going to make people be rich, and he's, gonna, he's not going to make people uh, stop sinning. That's a choice. You know, you know um, Galatians 3.16. Oh, by the way, I was going to give you the phone number, and I didn't. Um, area code 863 uh, 682-1430. That's the phone number of the station here. So if you have a question or comment, 
Uh, you're welcome to call. Um, so in, in Galatians 3.13, Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, it says he being made a curse for us, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through faith. Everything that God gives us by his grace, we receive by faith. You'll find that in Romans 5, 1 and 2. But think about this, the curse of the law. Now, this, my friends, loved ones, his spouse, uh, himself, all of us have opportunity, free will, to receive what Jesus gave us when he redeemed us from the curse of the law. Well, if you read Deuteronomy chapter 28, you'll find out that the curse of the law is threefold. It's poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. Third John verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. You know, prosperity is quite a subject. It's amazing that rich people are some of the worst ones about it. They condemn people for wanting money. If the church teaches tithing, uh, they come down on tithing, and yet they've got more money than anybody else in the country, and yet they criticize it many times. Jesus, you know, I remember I heard one preacher say, uh, I hear people often say they don't care anything about money. He said, but will you be willing to submit to the will of God? You know, Third John verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So that's spirit, soul, and body. God wants you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Did you know that Jesus became sin so that you could become righteous? 2 Corinthians 5.21. Did you know that Jesus became sick so that you could be healed? Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, Matthew 8.17, and 1 Peter 2.24. Did you know that Jesus became poor so that you could be made rich? 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For we know him, um, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who for, how's it go, for your sake became poor, though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, that through his poverty ye might be rich. He wants you to have more than enough. You know, rich means more than enough. Poor means less than enough. God doesn't want his children not to be able to pay their bills. I remember one preacher talking about, he said, I've been there. I remember when they came in with a little dolly and, and, and took it upstairs and took my TV and wrapped the cord around it, put it on the dolly and took it out, put it in their van and drove away with it because he was making payments on the TV. And he went on with all that. You see, we criticize it until we realize that poverty is a curse. And Jesus has already redeemed us from the curse. The curse of the law. Well, what is the curse of the law? I told you. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. The first 14, 15 verses are positive. He says, if you do what I tell you, I'll bless your socks off. And then he says to the rest of the chapter, if you don't, this is what will happen to you. And, man, I'm telling you, you'll be sick. The enemies will come into your country and, and take over your country. Just I'll tell you what it looks like. I'll give you a real good picture. It looks like America today. For about 240 years, we had the greatest country on the face of the earth. It's just amazing. We were known as a Christian country. Our, our um, my goodness, I'm trying to think. <laughs> well, my mind went blank. That, that happens sometimes. But uh, Constitution, thank you, Lord. 
Our Constitution was founded upon the Bible. Now, it's not the Bible, but it was founded on the Bible. Most of the people who signed for it were, were uh, practically preachers. They were graduates of, of uh, schools like Harvard and Yale and some of these schools that we today, they're almost atheists. But back then, they were ministerial camps. This, this was where the uh, people went to become ministers. Things have changed. When you get away from the word, and that, that's the problem with people's opinion. Your opinion is not worth much. What does the Word of God say? I remember Kenneth Hagin. I, I, I learned more from Kenneth Hagin than probably all my teachers put together. But he said somebody was talking to him about healing because Brother Hagin taught on healing a lot. And um, the man said, you know, you, you speak about healing. Uh, you can find healing in every verse of the Bible. He said, but not everybody interprets that the way you do. And Brother Hagin said, well, I didn't interpret it at all. All I did was quoted it. He said, I just quoted Matthew 8, 17, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And he said, since he, he bore them already, you don't need to bear them. And the man said, but everybody doesn't interpret that the way you do. And Brother Hagin said, if I told you I took my wife to town yesterday and bought her a purse, how would you interpret that, that I took her to town and bought her an automobile? He said, you know, it would be funny if it wasn't so sad. Why can't we just believe that the Bible says what it means? It means what it says. You know, I want to tell you one thing. We're going to take a break. And that one thing is the, the, probably the most important thing in your life is to find out if the Bible is really true or not. I did that. I waited until I was facing 11 felonies, uh, which could have been 100 years in prison. In those days, carrying one marijuana joint was five years in prison. And I was facing 11 felonies. So I was out of jail on bond, reaching for a gun to blow my brains out when God stopped me with a vision. And I had to find out if the Bible was true or not because I was going to follow through on taking my life so I wouldn't be going to prison. But if I found out that the Bible really is true, and I'm encouraging you to do likewise. All right, we're going to take a little break. The number in the studio is area code 863-682-1430. And you're listening to Ask the Preacher. We'll be right back. You're listening to Ask the Preacher, a question-and-answer talk show with Pastor Wayne Freed of Believer's Fellowship Word of Faith Church. Well, welcome back. We had a, a drive-by caller, as Eric says. He screened a call. I didn't talk to them. But they, they said that they had been told that the uh, writers of the Constitution of the United States was mostly Freemasons and so forth. Uh, what did I think about that? Well, you know, the Masons, if that's the same as the Freemasons, they are not uh, what we'd call real Christians. Neither are Mormons. And there's a, I don't want to get into all that. i tell you what would really be good. It's people who read the Bible because that is what our Constitution was founded on. That tells you something about who put it together. Now, whether they were Freemasons or not, I don't know. Did you know that the Episcopalians and the Methodists and the Presbyterians, God flowed through those people, and they had great moves. Brother Hagin says it to um, Kenneth Hagin. He was my mentor. I learned so much from him, so I often quote him. He's like a father to me. But he said about every 70 years there's a, like a breakthrough revival, a new awakening or something. I mean, there comes a, a great move of God. And uh, he works through the denominations that open up to him. And then after a while, they become religious. You know, so many Christians have traded that beautiful, wonderful, vibrant relationship of being born again with Jesus Christ. They've traded it for religion. And it's sneaky. That's why in, in Hebrews 3.13, it says, be not deceived. Um, evil communi- I'm sorry. Uh, 
I, I, I'm sorry, I went to a different scripture there. But uh, Hebrews 3.13 says, Be not deceived. The deceitfulness of sin hardens the heart. And, and when we begin to mix sin into our lives and then try to justify it, oh, boy, I could get on that. The once saved, always saved doctrine. Oh, that causes people to misunderstand Scripture all through the Bible. And I'd like to get on that. I got 50 different references that says that's not true. And I can tell you the ones they quote, just about five of them, the most part, that they quote. And, um, and, and so I just want to tell you, if you've got a Scripture that, that has a contradiction to it. Somebody's misinterpreting that scripture. So I've got 50, you got five, and the five that you quote, I believe, and I agree with, and I'm, I'm talking about once saved, always saved now, to where you lose your free will. Once you get your ticket, God changes you to the bedpost, and you can't get away from him anymore, and you can't leave him because he's got you. He's stamped a seal on you. But you know, if you read through the Bible, that word sealed is the same as unsealing. We went to Publix the other day. My wife, my wife bought me some canned ginger ale, and it was sealed. And I said, watch. And I showed it to my I popped it open. I said, I just unsealed it. And uh, in Revelation chapter 20, I know I'm running fast here, but Revelation chapter 20 through 20, uh, um, through verse 3, 1 through 3. One angel, one hand, binds the devil for a thousand years and throws him in the bottomless pit. And then it says, but afterwards he has to be loosed for uh, a little time, and in verses 7, 8, and 9, he's loosed again. So I want to tell you, it just crumbles everything they're saying. The, right now, I've gotten off that subject, and I'm talking about once they've always said, what I want you to understand is that you never lose your free will. The angels, a third of the angels that left their place in heaven had free will. You know, whosoever will may come. Uh, Revelation 22, 17 says, and partake of the river, waters of the rivers of life freely. You have a free will. But if you reject it, how about the scriptures in 2 Peter 2.22? Start with verse 20. But he says, if uh, uh, after that, uh, if you, oh, my, my goodness. I haven't been preaching like I used to do. I used to preach so much that these scriptures were all time. But once you've known the way of righteousness, if you should turn from it, you'd be better off not to have ever known the way of righteousness than to know it and turn from it. Two, second, second Peter 2, 22. I do it that way so you can remember it's not first Peter, it's second Peter. It's chapter two, it's verse 22. And, it, and that's the last verse of that chapter. So if you'll back up two, three verses, which you should do every time you read the Bible, get it in context. And it says the dog has returned to its vomit and the sow to its mire, uh, wallowing in the mire. Uh, somebody said, well, it doesn't happen, though. But it, and it says, but it has happened. Yes, it does happen. People do turn back. And if you'll read Hebrews 3.13 and then read verse, go back and read 12, 13, and 14, and also verse 6 of Hebrews 3, it'll blow your socks off. And then the 15th chapter of John, first six verses, talking about the vine. If you sever yourself from the vine, you will die. Okay, okay. Enough said about that, I think. But uh, what I did want to come back to on the, uh, did the Freemasons write the Bible? Um, what, you're, wh what you're doing is looking at Freemasons and saying, this is what they believe. Well, this is what they might believe today. But we, you can tell, find out what they believed in 1776. If, if it was Freemasons, uh, there may have been some. But that doesn't mean they were the ruling party that put together um, the Constitution of the United States. What I want you to understand is what the Constitution says 
was what they believed was right. So that whoever put it together believed it was right. And if you're a student of the Bible, you'll see that what makes it different from every country in the world is the high standard that it was based on the Bible. If you'll read Deuteronomy chapter 28, the first two or three verses there is talking about if you keep his commandments and do what he tells you to do, he will bless you coming in and bless you going out. He'll bless you in the storehouse. The storehouse is like a barn or a bank. You know, it's just 14 to 15 verses. Oh, I'll bless you. I'll bless you. I used to say he'll chase you down and kiss you right on the mouth. God loves you and wants to bless you. But if you reject the love of God, if you resist the love of the Holy Spirit through, through Jesus Christ and you don't want to submit to God's ways, you want to be a rebel, then you'll join the devil in the lake of fire like Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10 says. And they were there a thousand years. So you don't burn up, no annihilation. See, now these are good questions that somebody could call in and ask about. Is hell eternal? Why is there a hell? You know, there, there's so many good questions that could be asked. Um, I have a couple of things I'm going to want to get. I want to talk about gun control, but I'm not going to be able to do it before we take the next break. Uh, I want to talk about faith and how you get it and what it is, how it comes. Real faith is substance. It's not a figment of the imagination. It's not intangible. Hope is, Hebrews 11 one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So hope has no substance, be like beating the air, but faith has substance. Yeah, I hit the table, that's substance. I hit the air, you don't hear it because there's no substance. Hope is like a blueprint. Hope is like a dream. Hope is like a vision. Hope, and you have to have hope before you can have faith because hope gives structure to Faith, and faith comes only one way, Romans 10, 17. It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that word in the Greek, in the New Testament, was translated out of the Greek, is rhema. So it's faith comes by revelation. Faith comes by rhema. Faith comes by the Holy Spirit revealing to your spirit man what God's word says. That's what changes your jellyfish backbone into a crowbar. What a difference. You become a God man. Okay, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Ask the Preacher. I'm um, attending Believer's Fellowship, Word of Faith Church. You are invited. And um, we'll be right back. Number to the studios, area code 863-682-1430. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher, a question and answer talk show with Pastor Wayne Freed of Believer's Fellowship, Word of Faith Church. Well, welcome back. You know, just before I went, uh, before we took a break, I had shared something about my testimony. I was out of jail on bond. I'd been in trouble all my life, was in the juvenile home three times. They said, come back again. You're going to Mariana. And then I got busted and went to jail. I was able to come and go from jail. You know, you get busted, you go to court and... And you get busted again. Most people are serving, uh, many of the people in jail are serving life on the installment plan. They just pay a little here and pay a little there, and they spend their whole life in and out of prison. Well, when I met Jesus Christ, that ended. I, the only other time, I've been arrested five more times, but it was because of choice. I was sitting in front of abortion clinics. I was standing for life, um, but I, I wasn't arrested for um, doing selfish things. Uh, I just want to tell you that, you have to have faith. 
you, you, you just have to have faith. I want to give you some reasons. People ask me so often, uh, why do you preach on faith so much? And I want to tell you why. But first, I want to remind you that there were 10 spies that went in uh, to the land of Canaan. And when they came back with unbelief, God called it slander, uh, and judged them on the spot. I mean, they died right there because they said, we can't take it. And, and Joshua and Caleb said, yes, we can. Look at what God's done in the past. He, will, he has brought us this far. We can do this. And they said, no, we're, we're just like grasshoppers in, in the giant's sight. They're giants in the land. And God judged them for it. God does not like unbelief. Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 8. Uh, it, it reveals that a lack of faith not only displeases God, but he pronounced a curse on those who put their trust in the natural, in the flesh, after they've received the knowledge of the truth. Wow. We are told, and, and you ought to read that. It says, cursed is the man that trusteth in the arm of flesh. He'll be like a tumbleweed. You ought, you ought to read those two, little, two three little verses. Jeremiah 17, 5. It's just before, verse 9 says the heart is deceitful above all things. And, and, but, but, so if you, many people know about that verse, just go back up three or four verses, Jeremiah 17, five, you should be trusting God. He wants us to. Did you know there's four places in the Bible that says the just shall live by faith? Habakkuk 2, four, Romans 1, 17, Galatians 3, 11, and Hebrews 10, 38. God wants us to live our lives by faith. Now, the last part of Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Amplified says, Faith perceives as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Isn't that cool? Faith calls those things which be not as though they were. Romans 4.17. Faith calls those things which be not. Be not yet. They're not yet happened. Faith calls them done. And as you stand your ground, it will come to pass. One scripture says, uh, You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by the, uh, the word of faith and not by seeing, hearing, touch, taste, or smell. Or we walk by the word and not by the senses. We walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. If God said it, it's so. Let God be true and every man a liar, that thou mayest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Romans 3, 3, and 4. You say what God said, no matter what it looks like or feels like or all your friends say, if they laugh you to scorn, you say, God said it, and I'll tell you why. Jesus said we would be judged by the words that he had spoken. That's John 12, 48 through 50. John 12, 48. Jesus said you're going to be judged by the words that he spoke. So if God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Listen, courage is faith demonstrated. In order to have strong faith, you've got to see yourself as God sees you. And you must say about yourself what God says about you. And, of course, to do that, you have to spend time in the Bible. Did you know the Bible wasn't written to preachers? It was written to all of us. Now, faith is a very important subject because I'm going to give you eight reasons why faith is a very important subject. Here we go. Number one, you can't get saved without it. Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't get saved without it. That makes it really important, doesn't it? Number two, you can't live for God without it. Romans 1.17, um, the just shall live by faith. And then number three, you can't walk to Christian walk without it, because 2 Corinthians 5.7, that I just finished quoting you, we walk by faith and not by sight. Number four. 
You can't fight the Christian fight without it because 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight of faith. If you're fighting the devil, you're wasting your time. Jesus already defeated the devil. In, in uh, Hebrews 2.14 and 15, it says, For as much as the children were partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And that word destroy doesn't mean annihilate. One translation, uh, Rotherham's translation, translates that as paralyzed. The Amplified Bible says that he might bring to naught, that's N-O-U-G-H-T, that he might bring to nothing, might bring to naught, and make of none effect the devil. So the devil still exists, but he's powerless. He's like a roaring lion, no teeth, he just roars. So we're to resist him. Well, you couldn't resist him if you didn't have authority over him. So thank God we do have authority over him. The only fight you're supposed to fight is the good fight of faith. You lay hold of eternal life. Lay hold of Zoe. You take hold of it by faith. And then you cast down imaginations and reasonings and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And you bring into captivity every thought under the obedience of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 4, and 5. Number five. All right, number one, you can't get saved without it. Number two, you can't live for God without it. Number three, you can't walk the Christian walk without it. Number four, you can't fight the Christian fight without it. Number five, you can't be an overcoming Christian without faith. 1 John 5, 4 says, This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Number six, you can't be sanctified without it, because Acts 26, 18 says, We're sanctified by the word. Number seven, you can't please God without it. Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do you diligently seek God? Do you read your Bible? Do you go to church? Do you pray? Are you telling people about Jesus? Are you laying hands on the sick? Are you doing what the Bible tells you to do? Because if you are diligently seeking him, then you please God and... Uh, You are set apart. You can't please God without it. And he's a rewarder is what I wanted to say of those that diligently seek him. God rewards those. um, He he says, if you honor me, I'll honor you. He said, if you give a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, you won't lose your reward. God will bless you. Uh, Number eight, you can't receive the grace of God without it. Romans 5, 2. You receive God's grace through faith. I was talking to a young man today, he's 23 years old, he's making money hand over fist, he's about to buy a $90,000 truck, and he's not really living right, but he's so grateful for what God's doing, he's humble enough to say, I know it wasn't me. He went to the bank the other day and the lady said, my goodness, at your age, you're making this kind of money? He said, it's not me. You say, well, you can't buy your way, you know what, (laughs) I'm not even going to go into it. I just want you to know, I told him, I said, you know, it's amazing what God will do for people who acknowledge that he's the one that's, that's blessing them. And uh, faith caused people to move, caused God to move over a thousand people to get to the one that's believing him. That doesn't justify sin, that, none of that. But sometimes I hear more faith. You know, that's what Jesus was saying about the Gentiles. He said, you know, God found people that, that he wasn't even 
calling to that were coming to him. They were doing what he expected the Jewish people to do, but they weren't doing it. You know, I have, I have, um, I mentioned to you earlier, some of you may not have been tuned in, but I want to talk to you about gun control, and I just really don't have um, time before we take this next break. But I want to give you some scriptures, and in, in Luke 22, 35 through 36, I'm going to, I'm going to come back and give these to you again, Lord willing, right after break. But Jesus said, if you don't have a weapon, you need to get one, even if you have to sell your garment to get one. In Luke 11, 21, uh, he said, if the strong man had armed, the strong man armed, and it means just what it says, that he had a weapon. Uh, if, if, if he had known when the thief would come, he would have watched. And, and then he says, unless the strong man overpowers him, that means you have to have an equalizer. Your weapon has to be equal. To the guy that comes in, you know, always talking about, you don't need an AR-15 uh, to shoot a deer. <laughs> the AR-15 is not for shooting deer. It's for keeping the government out of your house. <laughs> What's wrong with these people? They're not very smart. You know, that's the whole thing. We broke away from Britain so we could have freedom, not so we could hunt deer. <laughs> oh, that just make you laugh. Uh, Luke 1239 and Matthew 2443 both talk about if the, if the strong man had known when the thief would break in, he would have prepared and defended himself and not let him break in. You say, wouldn't he have turned the other cheek? No, nope, no, nope, he wouldn't have. What is it, John 18, 23, where they smote Jesus? Uh, the high priest, they said, do you talk to high priest like that? And he said, if I did wrong, why don't you tell me what I did wrong? Otherwise, why did you smite me? He didn't say, oh, hit me again, hit me again. You know what? If you'd read the Bible, it'd scare the hell out of you. It really would. Eric, how's the clock? Okay, got to take a break. And then, Lord willing, I'm going to come back and talk about this gun control real quick. All right. You're listening to Ask the Preacher. You're listening to Ask the Preacher, a question and answer talk show with Pastor Wayne Freed of Believers Fellowship Word of Faith Church. Welcome back. And this is Wayne Freed. I want you to know... uh, I'm doing the Ask the Preacher show, but uh, this is Wayne Freed. This, this is my opinion along with the Word of God. And um, if anybody, you know, if anybody gets in trouble for it, it let it be me. It's, it's, that's what I'm saying. I'm responsible. Okay, I said I was going to go over some of these scriptures that tell you you should have a gun. I had a neighbor one time that found out that I had firearms or a firearm or whatever however you want to put that. And... Um, Oh, he, he just couldn't hardly believe it. And I told him that Luke 22, 35 and 36, where Jesus said, when I sent you out without extra provision, did you lack anything? And they said, no, not a thing. And he said, but now. Did you know things can change? Jesus said, but now, if you don't have a sword, today we'd say a weapon, then you need to get one. You need to, even if you have to sell your garment to get one. And that's what Jesus said in Luke 22, 35 through 36. My, la- my neighbor came back the next day and was just blown away. He said, it is in there. It is in there. Well, let me give you some more. Luke 11, I'm giving you Luke first, uh, the, the 22, 35, 22, 36, actually. But those two verses, Luke 11, 21, where it says, if the man had been armed, the thief couldn't have broken in and taken his goods. Um, and and um, the, uh, in Luke 12, 39, 
It's almost identical to Matthew 24, 43, which says if the good man of the house had known when the thief would break in, he would have watched and not allowed it, okay? So he wouldn't have just said, oh, come on in, hit me again, hit me again. No, Jesus didn't teach that. He was not a pacifist. He did teach that uh, husbands should protect their wives and fathers should protect their children. Um, this, this is something that was in the Lakeland Ledger. It was printed September 10th, 1999, and it was in reaction, if I said that right, uh, uh, from uh, uh, another letter that was written a week previous to that by C.W. Palmore. Uh, his nickname is Dub. Uh, I don't know if these people are still alive now or, or just what, but it was written on September 2nd of uh, 1999, and um, the man that writes this is Cliff Harrison from Winter Haven, and he said, I want to add to, let me add to the total of more than 10 million Jews, gypsies, dissonants, and other undesirables disarmed by Germany in 1938. Their gun control laws, uh, and they, uh, they, they rounded up the Nazis, by, they rounded up by the Nazis and systematically exterminated these people, 10 million of them. And then uh, the second one, he lists seven of these, that's one. Um, then he says 1.5 million Armenians disarmed because of gun control in Turkey, rounded up from 1915 to 1917 and systematically exterminated. Then he says, thirdly, 20 million dissidents in the Soviet Union I know when we were over there 30 years ago, we had a young man from our church went over there and started six churches that turned into 600 churches, went in before the walls came down, uh, became a great, great ministry over there. Uh, when we were there, he took us out and showed us a big field. He said they murdered 600 dissidents right there uh, in that field. So anyway, so here he says, 20 million dissidents in the Soviet Union, unable to defend themselves because of gun control, rounded up between 1929 and 1953 and systematically exterminated. Here's the fourth one. 20 million dissidents, um, dissidents in uh, China, our most favored nation trading partner, if you can believe that, um, unable to defend themselves because of gun control, rounded up between 1948 and 1952 and systematically exterminated. It, it, it's almost a shame to say that we're friends with a country that does some of the horrible things that they do. Number five, it says more than one million disarmed and helpless educated people in Cambodia under Pol Pot's gun control between 1975 and 1977 rounded up and systematically exterminated. Number six, 100,000 indi indigenous Indians in Guatemala between 1964 and 1981, unable to defend themselves because of gun control, rounded up and systematically exterminated. Number seven, 300,000 Christians in Uganda under Idi Amin, unable to defend themselves because of gun control, rounded up and systematically exterminated between 1971 and 1979. That's about 53 million people that we know about who were sacrificed on the altar of gun control in this century. Is that enough for you? It certainly is for me. I'm still reading. But are, you, are we going to continue to close our eyes to these grisly numbers, or, or are we going to wake up to what happens when gun grabbers get their way? 
Did you know 1 John 5.19 says the whole world lies in wickedness? I've known that. I've read my Bible a lot over the last 54, almost 55 years. And uh, I just never saw it until about two or three years ago, maybe five. I realize when I look at the medical mafia, I look at what's going on in almost every large monetary system in, in, in the world, really, not just our country. It's evil. It's hard to believe that men can be that evil. May Jesus Christ be real to you and his word come alive. You get faith by meditating, memorizing, and meditating in the word of God. God bless you. Have a great weekend.